Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Scientific Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Berry, joined by the crew back together again this week. Josh Shelter is back. Technical difficulties on our end, and whatever he's got going on in his personal life, which is not the business of this show, has been resolved to a degree, and we are glad to have him back. Josh, welcome back. I am back like the plague. No. Uh, <laughs> So we've gotten a kind of a light – again, we're, we're right for the NFL draft, right? There's not a whole lot to talk about. But we do have a few things kind of going on in around the world of sports, mostly football-related because this is a football mean we show. Uh, in the first place, we're going to start with this news today out of the nation's capital, or if you want to say it like it is, Virginia, uh, that there is an, an agreement being uh, being made. Nothing official as of yet, but the reports are out there that the Washington Commanders are going to be sold for a cool $6 billion. So, I will ask Josh, since he hasn't been on the show for a while, what do you think of this news out of the nation's capital? I'd love to see Dell Jr. buy or at least be a minority owner or something. That's not going to happen. It's going to a Wall Street investor named, uh, I think his name is Josh Harris, also included in this in, in this group is Magic Johnson. Uh, but Mr. Harris owns the New Jersey Devils in the NHL, and he owns the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA. Huh. I don't, I, I want to I want to say his name is Josh Harris. It's a Harris. Mm-hmm. I know that much. I, I will call the name, so I think that's right. There was also some Canadian billionaire that was that had put up the same bid, but uh, it seems like he's not the one that uh, would be the winning one. No, and Snyder basically said Jeff Bezos was looking at it, but Snyder basically said, I'm not selling to Jeff Bezos, and so he backed out. Uh, I wish Bezos would have bought it. I... I I think it would have been interesting, but just speak. I, I say again, I'm here for the jokes. If he had bought it, Walmart's Denver Broncos versus Amazon's Washington Commanders. In the I would have loved that. Right? That would have been hilarious. That'd be great. I'd have been here for that comedy. But more to the point, uh, Darren, I guess now time for you to chime in. What, uh, what are we to um, make of this? I, th- I can think of one phrase that applies. I think one thing is it's sad that a piece of shit like him gets to million dollars off such a garbage organization. Um, and that's how that goes. Uh, how in the world did he's managing to get $6 billion? I have no clue. Uh, but I'm glad he'll be out of the damn league. Think about this. The, the Broncos sold for $4.25 billion. A team that oh, has Walmart. had has had a lot more success recently than Washington. Mm-hmm. Why? Why the Commanders are worth six billion dollars, and the and the Broncos are only worth four point two five? I have no clue. I know why. Well, go ahead and answer it. Location, location, location. Isn't Denver a better market than DC right now? Uh. Well. Okay. Probably not. But here's okay. Let, let's look at it this way. Uh, this organization has the 
Washington has been dragged in front of the United States Congress for, for, for bad workplace. The stadium is falling apart to the point where a part of it fell as the, uh, and the only person that seemed to care was the visiting quarterback of your rival. Literal shit has fallen from the roof onto people in the state. This team is not worth $6 billion. It's just not. The Denver Broncos, conversely, have been to a Super Bowl more recently. They have a pretty damn good stadium. Oh, and by the way, they've been competitive. Like, come on. There's no, like, no. I'm sorry. No. If you, now granted, you are, the, the, if I say, oh, I have a pen in my hand. It's just a standard everyday pen. It's not worth a dollar. But if I say to someone, if someone comes to me and say, I will pay you a hundred bucks for that pen. I am taking that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It's worth what someone will pay for it. But damn, six billion is overpaying you. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but it is. I don't care how much money you spend to make the NFL or how much money the NFL wanted for you. No. And the the about the only thing that I can add, uh, about the only positive thing is that uh, the only real justification for that amount of money is how much would it take to get him. And his cancer, or cancerous actions, away from the NFL. Apparently, that number six billion, and I hate it. But again, good riddance to him. I I really didn't think he'd sell. I really didn't. I I I, I, I was convinced he would die with that team. Mm-hmm. It was it was very surprising because I mean it was very adamant for quite a while that. He was not going to entertain selling. And then he turns around and goes, he, he was the ching of the dollar signs. And goes, oh, wait a minute. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so here's the question. Do you even let him back in the building? Like if he wants to buy a season ticket, do you let him back in the building? <laughs> I feel nope. like, get out of here. You are blacklisted. <laughs> and go to somebody else who actually can benefit this place. Yeah. <laughs> So we're gonna have Magic Johnson flying from uh, across the country from a Dodgers home game in, like, on, in the World Series to go watch the Commanders play in Washington the next day. <laughs> I hope not, because I hope the Braves are in the World Series. But point still be point still being made. Yankees versus Braves. Go Braves! Screw the nope. Yankees. Yankees forever. I don't know how you can say that with a straight face. I truly don't. I love the Yankees. I, I, some guys in that in that organization are fine, but I hate Aaron Boone and I hate Brian Cashman. Fair enough. And I hate the owner by virtue of the fact that he hired both of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, a quick tangent. I didn't, I, I didn't mind Aaron Boone as a commentator on ESPN, but when you start arguing with an umpire and get thrown out, and your entire argument is that my team is a bunch of fucking savages his words not mine and there is no basis of facts in your argument you've lost my respect because that's entitlement it's like i am the fucking (laughs) new york yankees and you will give me the call because i'm wearing pinstripes and you're not Mm -hmm. it doesn't work like that i'm sorry no if you it's okay to argue with the umpire if you really think that was a ball or a strike or if he was out or safe i get that I, no problem. What's no problem whatsoever? None. But if your entire argument is going to be my team is a bunch of fucking savages, I'm sorry, I can't respect you. 
And I can't respect Brian Cashman, who sat there and were like, oh, okay, that's fine, whatever. No, no, it's not. I mean, I get that. But I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm just where I'm a diehard Yankees fan. Some of us have to be crazy, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, we've already established that. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> I mean, most time, only, most time, most time when I text you back, I'm running like 85. Y- so, yeah, you may not need to say that, but okay. I don't uh, care. I know oh. you don't. And speaking of crazy. I'll ask Darren this first. Are the Baltimore Ravens crazy for giving Odell Beckham Jr. $18 million for one year, not knowing whether Lamar Jackson is going to be the quarterback? I mean, giving him 18 that's $18 million fuel. That's a million dollars a week. That's, 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 18, that's literally $18 million that you can no longer give to Lamar. Now, I'm not saying bringing OBJ on is a bad idea. But I think the amount of money, given that he's just came off an injury and you're not entirely sure how effective he's going to be, on top of the fact that you don't really know who your quarterback's going to be at this moment to and whether or not he will be able to get the ball to OBJ is also questionable. And again, on top of the fact that you're squandering $18 million that now you can't give to Lamar. What would you have given him? <sighs> That's t- <laughs> for one year. For one year, maybe half, maybe half of that Nine. at most. That's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Like I feel like that's a solid number for a guy coming off injury. I mean, like, don't get me wrong; it's still OBJ, but he's coming off an injury, and that has to be taken into account. On top of the fact that you're trying to figure out or retain your quote-unquote franchise quarterback. Josh, what says you? Well, I think Baltimore did this on purpose to show that they don't want to keep Lamar. And also, I would have gave him $10 million for a year with the option of another year of with another $8 million depending on how he does this first year. Um, what if he didn't want it? What if he didn't want? It? What if he only wanted a one-year rental? Well, then eleven. Because if OBJ wants to play, he's a damn good uh, player. Yeah, no doubt. So, but it also is going to depend on who's the QB going to be. Because I doubt it's going to be Lamar, because he's a little. Sarapus that doesn't want to do anything. He wants to and, do it. No correction. He wants to do it for two hundred fifty million dollars, <laughs> but basically doesn't want to do anything. Yeah, <laughs> but I, it has I, to be for two hundred fifty million dollars. <laughs> see, I kind of take the opposite view here. I, I think this might entice him to, to to walk down from that and come back because i think he i, I not this look i've said it before i don't think lamar's entire entire goal is to win a championship but i think lamar would be swayed about playing with someone like that i really do and not only that but he's on the franchise tag mm-hmm. they can tag sure. you twice so if you get obj for a rental 
and then you go out and you and you ball out, you both can make bank next year, maybe on the same team. I mean, that's this true. Might, this might be one of those things where, like, hey, we'll show you what you got, and then, hey, we're a package deal. Come at, come at me. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I, seen... I, I, I've seen arguments that it could be that it could have been done to pull him in and pull him away from those high numbers. Uh, but with how adamant he's been, I just don't see it happening. But I, I don't disagree that it that's the angle they could be going for. I'll put you both on the spot because we're like uh, two weeks out from the draft. Are the Ravens second at quarterback this year? You almost think they'd have to, because I don't know who else is on the on the on the market to to acquire outside of the draft. Anyone is for a price. Oh, true, but I mean, who, our our who's... quarterback has been brought up in trade talks before, mm-hmm. today. and what have we been talking about in the last month? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess then it begs the question: uh, Who would be who at this point would be willing to go away from who they've got? Because uh, so many people have already been moved as it is. You'd have to imagine the ones that were going to be moved have been moved. That's true. That's a good point. Kyler Murray. True, he's still not to be moved. (laughs) A lot of of people believe he will be moved, though. Like, a lot of people, from what I remember seeing anyway, and I haven't, like, I don't study the ins and outs of the Arizona Cardinals on a daily basis. So I may be out of the loop here, but I do recall some people thought with Cliff Kingsbury going and the new GM coming in, a lot of people thought that they were going to, they were going to clean house. So I, I don't know, but be worth watching. Oh, so I just want to go off topic here for a second. Oh, Lord. I, I actually met a guy that used to be on the Carolina Panthers practice squad. Oh, he's a cool. big boy. He's a big boy. <laughs> Did you all see the before and after of Russell Okun this week? Who? Who? He played for the Panthers. He was in a, it was a lineman. Forget if it was defensive or offensive lineman. I think offensive lineman. No, but go, but but go ahead. You, we know how big linemen on the NFL, right? Yeah, my guy can quickly like change everything. He slimmed down to where you wouldn't even recognize him now. You didn't know it was the same person. You'd be like, uh, no, no way, you played the NFL. (laughs) He's probably not working out every day. Oh, he's working out, just not. Just not, uh, just not the buffet to, to make weight. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, no. Uh, he he said he, he this guy used to play at Duke. Hmm. And then he went into the NFL, played a year in the NFL, and said, "Screw this." He's out. It was just too hard on his knees and shit. I can't. I can't really blame him. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's not. I don't want to say this like, oh, I could do it, but it's not for everyone, right? Yeah. Some people are like, you know what? It's just not. It's not worth it. Nope. Mm-hmm. But and so now he's a uh, mechanic at uh, Expo Logistics in Charlotte. Hmm. Stay close to home anyway. And that's not that far from Durham. Like, not, well, he, not well, he said road, that but... uh, that uh, Carolina bought. Bought him his house, so you know. Hey, they're gonna do that. I'm gonna stay. And you know how much they make on the practice squad? 
Uh, I think if the max you can make, if you've stayed a whole season, uh, well, this is a couple of years outdated. Was like eighty or ninety thousand. He said he made about a hundred and ten, hundred hundred twenty. I'm sure that included some bonuses or something as well. Probably. Yeah, I think well, like I think the well, base salary was like a maximum of eighty or ninety. Well, the just mid- like, just like um. Oh shit! I lost my train of thought. Damn it! Oh god, um, it's a Penn Central train. We don't know where it is. <laughs> no, 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 no! It's 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 a it's a Union Pacific train. I'm rolling down a hill with no brakes on. Sounds um, about right. Yeah. Oh damn it! I forgot what the hell he said. <laughs> oh well, never mind. I don't forgot. We anyways continue. So while well, it'll come back to you right, as soon as I start making another point, but probably. Let's move on to college football. And I don't know if you all are aware, but the Pac-12 is kind of crumbling at the seams. And I'm here for it. Uh, because the Pac-12... Like, look, I'm not in favor of super conferences, but I know that's where we're going. And I'd rather have the Big 12 be in the best position it can be, if it's mm-hmm. going to be anything. I might, the, my preference is for West Virginia to be in the ACC, but if I got to be in the Big 12, I think the Big 12 is as good as it can be even though we'll be riding the salad the entire time. Uh, so <clears throat> the Pac-12 has yet to renew its TV deal or get a new TV deal. And the rumors are that it's looking at the CW, which for those of you who don't know, the, the CW, CW, is that a you don't know what it is or you're baffled by it? I'm baffled. Okay. Really? Yes. All righty then. But there goes the, the Pac-12. Yes, because <laughs> here's the thing: that's not even for all the games. That's only for a select few games. If that's the best they can come up with, the Pac-12 is screwed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one of the rumors that's swirling around the college football landscape is that Colorado's board of direct board of regents is meeting the, uh, this upcoming Monday. And one of the suggestions that's been made is that they will talk about leaving the Pac-12. And the Big 12 will swoop in and get them. So the question I would ask to you two is this. Would you take Colorado in the Big 12 again that's, if they left the Big 12 earlier? That's the Sanders team, ain't it? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's Dion. Bring it on. Something I about will open him. them with open arms. I will have a nice cold beer waiting on them and some really good hot dogs or even tacos. Bring it on. <laughs> He's going to go tailgate. You could, If you want to go tailgate in Boulder, Colorado in the middle of November, you go out ahead, my Yeah, friend. be my guest. I will happily go. So, something about having him having him in the league would be fun. Um, I, no, I wouldn't be against it, honestly. I mean, they, again, they've been there b- before. So. I would, Tom, Tom Hill's all, all wounds. I would, I would, I would take Colorado back on one condition. We get Utah too. The, the, I want uh, Utah, Utah Utes. I want Utah because here's the thing: Utah, Colorado, and BYU out west. That's like the rival triangle. BYU and Utah hate each other, and the proximity means that Colorado is a natural dislike. And here's the thing: if you're looking at like. The, let's say we split the Big 12 into divisions. I don't know that they're going to do that, but let's just say, for example, that they do. Even though college football is kind of moving away from divisions, but either, like, it just 
West Virginia, Cincinnati, UCF, out east, Colorado, BYU, Utah, and then we'll probably have Iowa State and then the two Kansas schools, and then Oklahoma State and then the Texas schools will be your other division. That's fun. Like I that's that's as good a Big Twelve as you can get. At least to me. Fine with me. But I mean the thing is, if they were to join, it'd be like a few years before we even see them in competition. Mm, depends on how much they want to leave. If they wanna leave they wanna leave, they'll pay the back to pack twelve to get out. Oh uh-huh. I mean yeah, that's that's true too. The Big 12 decided to bleed Texas and Oklahoma for all their work because they already had a contract with them. The Pac-12 doesn't have any contract. So, oh, well. so they can go, yeah, we're, we're done. Bye. Well, uh, well, then I will hold a nice can of beer and some hot dogs for Mr. Dion. Now, I will say this. I want Utah, but I maintain this. Boise State, okay, I can I, I wanted them, but I can live without them. Please go get Memphis. Please What school has You cut out like a bad radio there, Josh. <laughs> uh, what what school has the pretty blue field? Uh Boise State. Yes. I want them to come to the Big Twelve. <sighs> Just because I, I... I like their field. A few, a few years ago, it would have been great, but now I think the Boise State thing has kind of cooled off. They're still good, but they're not ever great. I would take San Diego State before I would take Boise State. Not just because they made the Final Four in basketball and made the <laughs> national championship yet, but uh, because their football program is historically really good. Uh, they're in San Diego that's like perfect all-round baseball weather. Tell me that wouldn't be a good team in baseball. Uh, and then football and then basketball, obviously, you get that too. Yeah. Uh, I, I would, like I said, Memphis has been is really good in basketball. I can't imagine they'd be awful in baseball, and they've had a pretty good football program. And you get the Liberty Bowl, a really historic stadium, adds to the tradition of the league. I think Memphis would be a really good market to kind of pair with UCF. Because we get paired with Cincinnati, I really, I really, I truly believe that Memphis will be a quality addition to the Big Twelve Conference. I truly believe that. If you were to line up the schools that I want, Memphis, if you're going to get Colorado, Utah, and San Diego State, those are the those are the next four I would want in the Big Twelve. If we're going to a sixteen team team league, Sands, OU, and Texas, that's got to be it for me. Because I think it makes too much geographical sense to pair up, especially because something that I, I haven't heard it talked about near as much, but I did hear talk about before. Maybe you two heard it every now and again, a travel partner, kind of in, mm-hmm. in terms of league scheduling. West Virginia Cincinnati makes too much sense. But Memphis and UCF are not that far apart. Makes sense. BYU, Utah makes sense. Colorado, San Diego State. Little bit of a dry, little bit of a of a distance, but not insurmountable. Yeah, I I I I kind of I would lean towards that, but I'm not Brett Yormack, the commissioner of the Big Twelve, so I can't make that decision. But if it was me, I'd be going after. I'd take Colorado. I would I would pound on Utah's door, like, look, I will sit here and I will beg. Come on, 
and then San Diego State and Memphis. Makes sense. As long, to me. As, we, as long as we keep playing VT and Pitt, so I can say eat shit Pitt every year. <laughs> that that's, uh, that series is going to end at some point. Uh, let's see. And it shouldn't. Well, there's always options to renew the contract, but as of right now, I don't think it's been renewed past a certain time. Yeah, I can't uh, remember what the last last year is. I'm looking. Me. I'm looking it up right now because I want to know myself. Big Twelve. What? Big Twelve. West Virginia. West Virginia. Twenty twenty five is the last scheduled game. Ah, no, well, and they... then it comes back in twenty twenty nine and twenty through twenty thirty two. So we take so we take three line. years off after twenty twenty five, then we get it back in twenty twenty nine. It should be the rest of my life. <laughs> what about we... uh, what about VT? Uh, no game scheduled in the near in through the next decade. Lame. Yeah, so that means the Manus are guaranteed to have the trophy for that for long. Let's go. <laughs> the first, the first year that doesn't have a full non-conference schedule is twenty twenty-eight. We only know one game that we know they're playing Tennessee in Charlotte that year to open up the season. And what year is this? Twenty twenty-eight. So I'm assuming they're playing a BOA. I would say so, yeah. Oh, nice. That's only like 20 minutes from me. Okay. Since we're on the topic of college football, and I love going into schedules, I'm going to read you fellas off the next few non-conference schedules that we know in full for West Virginia. I want to know which of these non-conference schedules excite you the most. Okay? Okay. I'm including this year because it's the one listed here. And we haven't played these games yet. So... At Penn State, home for Duquesne, and home to Pitt. That's this year. 2024, home for Penn State, home for Albany at Pitt. Who the fuck is Albany? FCS school. Oh, so we're playing a money a money draft. For them, yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. Well, it keeps their, it keeps their program afloat, so I can't really complain too much. Yeah, that's uh, why I'm okay with it. 2025, Robert Morris at home at Ohio, and then home to Pitt. Wait, is this is this like? No, this oh. is the University of Ohio no, in Athens. Yep. Oh, the one that where Big Ben came from? No, that's Miami of Miami of Ohio. This is the University mm-hmm. of Ohio Bobcats. Meow. Okay. Well, I mean, well, I mean, you know what we do to Bobcats in West Virginia now. Yeah. 2026, Alabama at home. Roll Tide Roll. UT Martin at home at East Carolina. Huh. Well, then the And then the last one, 2027, at Alabama, home to VMI, and then home to Ohio. The fact that we have two uh, now i didn't realize that it was a two game thing when we had talked about it originally our initial man by the time we play alabama will be i'll be pushing i will literally be 30 so will um, i you'll be 31 yeah and so 
I did. I completely had forgotten that there were two. Uh, year, it was two years in a row. Um, holy cow! <laughs> yeah. And if Saban's there, we're gonna get our ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And if it's uh, Dabo replacing Saban, we're still gonna get our ass kicked. I don't think so. If the team does, it, we'll 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 have to see where the trajectory of the Mountaineers are going. But I'm not going to hold my breath that they're going to be any better, even I, four years from now. I am with you there. I don't want to be, but I am. So, which of those? Uh, I, I guess you're taking the ones with Alabama, then, Darren. Yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah. I mean, the fact <laughs> that Alabama will be in Morgantown is about more, probably one of the more exciting things that will happen in that area for quite a while. Like, outside did you of even, Pittsburgh. Did, did you even Pittsburgh. think that was ever a possibility? No. Not until <laughs> you had let me know that that was happening. Several years ago, mind you. Uh, yes, several I years ago. the conversation. <laughs> but. I think that was like in 2016. Like this was get this has been scheduled for like 10 years now. I think yeah, it's been scheduled for quite a while. Eight, yeah, eight or ten, something like that. But or will will be in that when it comes time for the game. Point is, it's been a while. Now, I'm, uh, yeah, and now that I'm 26, it's like, oh god, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I will be 30 when that. Oh god, okay, um, yeah, yeah, right there, buttercup, yeah. How about you, Josh? Which uh, which excites you the most? I'm going to assume it's that same thing, considering it's Alabama. But see, like my only thing is, I'm also an Alabama fan. So, ask ask Darren because of Saban, I am too. Oh, I'm just I'm just an Alabama fan because they win games. And you talk about some guy from uh, Fairmont, West Virginia, being the best coach in the history of the game. Mm -hmm. Kind of hard to meet for me not to root for him. Yeah. Same thing with Jimbo. <clears throat> that and I really like Jimbo. I like Satan. I really like Jimbo too. All right. So my top three is well, how about this? I'll do this. All right. So for my non conference oppo opponent, I need a fuck it. Um, so it's Alabama's number one. Yeah, I'm dying. Tennessee and Eat Shit Pit. Well, no, wait. Flip flop Tennessee and Eat Shit Pit. But, I was going to uh, say, you putting Tennessee. Uh, you, just because you're in the SC doesn't mean you have to be excited. <clears throat> Ask Missouri. Well, the only reason why, I, for some reason, I feel like Tennessee should be our rival just as much as what Pit, Pit is. I would say Kentucky before I'd say Tennessee. See, I don't really give two shits about oh, good old uh, Kentucky over there. I, you know, I don't really care that much about that state. <laughs> but you know, for, for something about Tennessee. <clears throat> now, I granted, mean... granted, I do root for them, but if they're playing the Mountaineers. I hope we beat. Bro. Now, see, we... here's the thing. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. We. We become a Georgia Tech, and I don't know why. I guess it's where. So, the St. Louis Blues, I think. No, yeah. Who the hell? They One play of those teams Rose. down there. Yeah, they play Country Rogues. 
Yep, the same Louis Blues did that when they won the Stanley Cup. (laughs) And I take offense to that greatly. I was here for it, man. And now, yes, I know St. Louis is actually in Missouri. But last time I checked, they're kind of close to Tennessee. Uh, My brain's not working today because, you know, I'm tired. Well, I I did drive from Louisville to St. Louis for a baseball game in one morning. So, Okay, so they're not that close. Oh, well. Anyways. (laughs) All right, well, fine. Okay. Uh Let me me rephrase (laughs) that then. Something about Tennessee just irks me. They try to be like, oh, well, we're so mountainous. Oh, we're we're so mountaineery and shit like that. I'm sorry. West Virginia is the the only state I know of where the entire Appalachian Mountains is in the state. Like the entire mountain chain goes through the entire state. So that's why I find offense to that. So that <laughs> go go into Charlotte, not down Tennessee's door, but like hello. It splits it's it split it is. I know I didn't say that right, but I don't care. I'm tired. Expletives. Whatever. Cuss words. <laughs> Cuss Bad words. words oh, that, that language. That you don't let me to say. That yes, you don't let no. me say. <laughs> Yes. Um, Loud noises. Basically. But uh, yeah, I'd just like to see us go in there and beat the living shit out of them. Like, good old beat the shit out of them football. Like, just mean football. And I don't know why. But I we don't did, know why. But we did that a few years ago. They played in Charlotte and we got to sing Country Roads over Rocky Top and we drowned them out. Yeah. So, like, you know, I just. Yeah. I'll say this about Tennessee. They were a straight-up vibe last year. Yeah. That that was fun. I'm like, hey, West Virginia is awful. This team is fun. Go Vols. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, just, I just want to play Marshall again. Just one more time. I, I would enjoy that. I It will never happen, but I would enjoy that. But why wouldn't it happen? Why can't Because it the only reason it happened was because the state legislature told me I had to play. Oh, it really? Was li- it was literally a state law. Really? Yeah. West Virginia That's didn't nice. want to. The only reason they did was because the legislature passed something that said you had to play. <laughs> That's funny. That's actually pretty cool. So we play UCF this year. Yeah. What the fuck? They're in the Big Twelve now. Are they really? Yeah, they're one of the they're one of the new schools. Them, Houston, BYU, and Cincinnati. Oh, all right, then. I really hope we beat Penn State. <laughs> no, Penn State's going to be a top ten team. We're not going in there and beating them. There's no way. Any given Sunday. No, Josh. Have you, seen, have you seen? No. No, I am hopeful for this team, but there's no way. There's absolutely no way they beat Penn State. No. Hey, hey, I'm being optimistic about the Mountaineers right now. Take it and run. <laughs> because if you want to rewind back, maybe about two, three months ago. <laughs> I know what you said. Exactly. I, I said I'd be said. surprised if we even beat fucking the Dukes. I di- you did okay. say that. You okay, <laughs> so let me be optimistic for uh, until let's see September twenty September the second. 
Let me have some optimism with them. <laughs> oh. But at this point, I see the Broncos winning more games than freaking Mountaineers. So, I see kill yeah. winning more games than, than, the, than West Virginia. No, no, no. I have a better one. I see Fayetteville winning more games than <laughs> oh. West Virginia. Oh. Oh. Oh, he went hard there. So. God, <laughs> God him. And Fayetteville doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. <laughs> I'm pulling something up now because I just I want to shit on Josh's optimism again by bringing up the serious history West Virginia has against Penn State. I know for a while it was really bad. Yeah, probably. Uh, let's see bad. here. Oh, I know it is. Uh, let's see here. Opponents. All opponents. I'm on WVUStats.com, which is a fantastic website if you ever oh, want to nice. find out histories of WVU athletics. Uh, let's see here. Pennsylvania State University. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see here. Anyone want to guess how many wins West Virginia has all time against Penn State? Uh, three. I don't know. You both are actually low. They're 9-48-2 against Penn State all time. Did you say 48? Yes. Yeah. Nine wins, 48 losses, two times. That is forty eight. Yes. Holy shit! They are six and seventeen at home and three and thirty one at Penn State. When did we play them this much? Uh, Uh, The series was constant through, like the let's see here, like nineteen forty through. Oh hell, I don't count that. Like nineteen ninety two was the last time we played them. Well, okay. Well, the last time we played, did, did we win? No. Uh, we lost 40-26. Uh, oh, Jesus. Well, that's only about West, two scores. West Virginia lost to Penn State every year from 1959 <laughs> until 1984. Good Lord. Well, all right, then. I retract. Well, you know what? No, fuck it. I'm still going to say that we're going <laughs> to... We're going to beat Penn State. I'll okay, send you. Okay, okay. I'll find the clip when we get off. And there is a clip of the radio introduction that Jack Fleming did for that game against Penn State in 84 when they finally beat him. You'll get chills. I do every time I listen to it. I'm just being optimistic for once. So. I know. <laughs> At this point, just don't lose to Pitt. Beat Duquesne so you don't get embarrassed. And then I'd like to beat Houston, and that's really the only thing I really care about because I don't like Hulkers. That's so it. I wanna, so I want us to beat the Dukes, Pitt, uh, Houston. Uh, oh, and screw Baylor. I can be, I, Baylor annoys me. You beat them. I want to I, I beat Cincinnati because I don't like Ohio. But, yeah. Well, but, well, so my optimistic side, I say we go. Dude, there's thirteen games. Damn, there's thirteen games. Nope, twelve games. You're missing. You're oh, adding one. You're I adding the Big Twelve the, championship game. No, I counted the spring game. Oh, okay. So there's twelve games. Yep. My optim my so, so my optimistic side is I'd like to see them go like. Ten and two. 
with losses to Oklahoma, to both to both Oklahomas. You think we? Oh, we don't play Texas this year. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. We don't play Texas. I'm kind of disappointed by that though, because I love to. Well, no. Them. Well, I mean, we play Texas Tech and uh, Texas Christian. I'm talking about university, like horns down Texas. Yeah, no, horns down forever. Um, but then again, I also get saved having Arch Banning put up like five thousand yards against us in fifteen touchdowns before but, halftime. Uh, but my realist slash pessimistic side, shut up, Siri, uh, is that we will only win two games. Darren, I guess that- Josh. I guess Josh started an impromptu schedule game. What do you think? <laughs> uh, huh? I don't remember what I what I had previously said, but uh, yeah, I don't expect them winning that many games this year. I say we win. We will win two against the Dukes and against the the shit the uh, shit cats. I, I think at most I I was feeling four. I I can't remember. Uh... So um, let's run through it right now because we got nothing else to do. Uh, let's see here. At Penn State, I know what you're saying, Ben. Big old L. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Duquesne. Should be a win. Should be a win. Hit it home. I would like it to be a win, but uh, I don't know. Texas Tech at home. Win. We usually get Tech up here. We struggle down there, but we usually get them up here. Win, win, win. Mm-hmm. TCU on the road. Nope. Forget mm, it. Nope. No, uh, nope. In in our dreams. Houston on the road. For the love of God, please win this game. For for, for just just for the sake of please, I uh, just give him a dev- just give me the W, please. Nope. I I kind of doubt it, but I want it, so I'm gonna <laughs> just say a W. Oklahoma nope. State at home. Hell no. Well, yes. Maybe. At UCF. Uh, toss up. I, I I like Gus Malzahn a lot. I think he's a really good coach, and I think once he gets his guys in there, they're going to be really hard to beat. Because I, I, I truly think he should not have been fired from Auburn, but Auburn is the most – Bipolar and hard to predict, hard to even justify what half the things they do a football program in the country. Mm-hmm. So, to, to say you got fired from Auburn, but okay, that you also won a national championship, so clearly you know what you're doing. But these Auburn people are just impossible to please. And even if you, well, I'm not going to go there. Uh, BYU at home. Mm-hmm. Uh... BYU is always a tough out. Yeah. But they've never played a schedule like this before, so you might get them worn down by the time they get to November. Sure, why not? Yeah, I think it's tough. Yeah, I think it's possible. At Oklahoma. No. The House of Horrors. Hell no. Mm, nah. I, I'm not gonna bank did you just, on. Did you just say the house of horrors? Horrors. <laughs> I'm not gonna bank horrors. on two in a row. 
we beat them in Morgantown when they were bad. We're not going to beat it. Because here's the thing. If they sink again, they'll fire uh, what uh, red animals. They'll kick him out before they can even blink bad an eye. So we may be dealing with an interim head coach who may who no help them will probably rejuvenate that program just by not being Brett Venables. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati at home on senior day. Uh, nope. I don't think we tend to have very good luck on senior days as of late. So nah. I, I that one's tough because Luke Fickle is gone. He's gone to Wisconsin. Uh, Scott Satterfield comes in uh, from Louisville. He did pretty well his first year, and they rebounded a little bit in the second half of last year. But for the first part, they weren't that good. Uh, It kind of feels like with Cincinnati that, yes, they have recruited well under Luke Fickle, but in the transfer portal, that can all be gone under an offseason. And I don't know how much the new – granted, that'll be the 11th game for both, I'm sure. So by that point, you've kind of figured out what you are. It's not that much of a deal, but I just don't know how good Cincinnati is going to be. I don't know if how – I'll have to see how they start out the season before I can get a good read on that. I, I don't know that game yet because I don't I, – I like Scott Satterfield as a head coach. I think he's a really good coach, but I don't know how he's going to play in Cincinnati. I, just, okay, I, I, just, I, have a I don't question. know that yet. What? Why are ticket prices so damn expensive? Because it's the modern-day college athletics and a Power 5 conference. $323. For which game? That's not, that's not single. That's That's got to be like season ticket. Season Single game isn't available yet. That doesn't come available until mm-hmm. like May or June. I'm looking right at it. I, I, I've got to call bullshit. That's got to be season tickets, Josh. No, it's for the Pittsburgh Panthers versus uh, WU. 325 bucks Each. <sighs> that's on vivid seats. Mm. I'll go to WVU game and see if they're selling them. Yeah, I, and, I truly don't believe they are. Uh, football. Yeah, football home games aren't being sold on WVUgame.com. Nope. Well, well then how They've do got, they have them on here? Uh, they're probably estimating what the prices will end up being. It could be. I mean... I don't know how they handle those things. That, that or they're basing off of prices from the last game. But WVUGame.com doesn't have any options to buy tickets. Like, the thing is grayed out. You can buy the season it, tickets. You can buy the tickets for the spring game, the season tickets, for the WVU Heroes program. Mm-hmm. Everything else is grayed out. Oh, I don't know. Unless a vivid season is a sketchy, but it doesn't seem sketchy. I, it could be. I've heard I of mean, them before. My, my guess is, is it's probably just basing, like basing what the prices will end up being on previous game prices, or they're just telling you, hey, this might be expensive anyway because it's this big of a rivalry. That, those are my only guesses. Um, that or maybe for some reason you're able to resell season tickets, which I don't wouldn't believe that, to be honest. But... I'm not going to discount You know, that's actually really not. So, tickets for the uh, Las Vegas Formula One race? And this is, yeah. No, wait, no, wait, no. This is Miami. For the Miami race, it's like right around $1,000 for some, like on this, on this front stretch. 
That's not horrible for Formula One standards. No, hmm. it's not awful. Let's see here. I'm, I'm looking. Holy at... God! Oh Lord, what did you find now? It's called the seventy the seventy two club. The cheapest price. I mean, the... so now this is a three day pass, by the way. Seven thousand dollars each. Yeah. That is that is how much I'm making a month. And here I can buy tickets for the net for the whole weekend in Atlanta Motor Speedway for sixty nine dollars. Right. For, for the NASCAR in uh, in July. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which truth be told, if I lived in like that's not a bad price for for a for a weekend's worth of racing, that's not bad. Actually, I want to see how much. The, for the 600 is. I was actually going to North Wilkesboro first, uh, but I know that's expensive. It's sold out. Well, I know that, but... Oh, no, uh, I only sell five tickets for it. Oh, standing stand room only, $107. Not as bad as I thought it would be. Uh, let's see here. For the Coca-Cola 600, ticketing... Uh, three day pass. Uh, three day tickets. Uh, for the Coke six hundred. Dang it! Dang it! Dang it! Dang it! Dang it! Dang it! Come on, load. I have things to do tonight. Maybe not. Okay, so the range is from ten dollars to three hundred twenty-five. Is the range uh, along the front stretch? Depending on where you get them, it could be. I think I just saw a 10. So, yeah. I don't know about you, but like $10 for the Coke Cost Center is a pretty good deal if you ask me. Mm-hmm. That's the that's really longest race on the circuit. Jeez. And I and I have been there. I've, I've uh, went to the 600. My dad did many years ago. Uh, yeah, I've never been. I don't recommend. That's a long race to sit through. I would say so. It's a long race to watch on TV, let alone sit through it. No, there's still tickets available. Hey, speaking of racing, I think it's time for your segment, Josh. Oh, yay. Finally. Only, I've only been gone for about a month and a half. Let's keep it in the most important parts uh, for the racing circuit for like this past weekend and then Martinsville. Let's not... Unless you have to, don't drag me through the past month. Uh, other than Chase Elliott breaking his leg, that's all the news I got about that. And the Hendrick Motorsport uh, fines and all that fun shit. But we can do that. We can go over that next week. Because um, we're, we're going my favorite track on the whole circuit this week. I love Martinville. I've been there. So have I. Twice, actually. Yeah, I think I've been there even like two or three times. I don't remember. <clears throat> but um, well then, well then, let's get dirty, shall we? Yeah, let's let's do that. So this was the third year of NASCAR being at the Bristol Motor Speedway dirt race. First uh, time it was held at night, though. No, second time. Did they? Did they put it last, last year at night? 
Yep, last Easter they ran it at night. Huh, I still don't remember that. Because because they realized how bad of an idea it is to run a dirt race during the day. You don't <laughs> run dirt at, during the daytime. That's just not how that works. It, gets, it just gets too damn dusty. I remember but, uh, watching that dirt race a little bit, the first one. That was the day I, I was I went out to film an intro for a video. That ended up being my most popular video on my YouTube channel so far. 10,000 views, I think, and counting. Uh, and I was listening to the race when I came home, and I caught like the last like 15 laps or so when I got back. Sorry yeah. to be the tangent, but I do remember that race. Um, well, but you got, but you had uh, Christopher Bale, finally a dirt drive, one dirt race. And Tyler Reddick finished second. Austin, Austin Dillon finished in the third spot, which is a really good run for him. Uh, you had Jonathan Davenport, which on, which on the dirt side of things, he's about like the Dale Earnhardt or Ricky Patty or Jimmy Johnson of the, of the dirt world. And it, it was a really good race. Um, Damn, I don't, I don't know what to say. I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> been a while. I, I thought it was funny how... Uh, oh, I'm up to 11,000. Sorry, I was looking to... But my, what my video was done. Uh, 11,000 views uh, in a little over two years. Uh, but uh, I thought it was funny how uh, uh, Bowman, my guy, was running up in like 12th, 13th, having a pretty good day. Then he had a then he had a flat tire that killed him, and he finished like 29th. Yep, 29th. And I thought it was funny because the Twitter, the Instagram post, like, "Soon as y'all, you need all four tires inflated, even on dirt." Yeah, which I thought was kind of funny. But yeah, you do. Explain to explain to me this because you might. I, I find this very interesting. I don't really understand it, but then again, I'm not as into this as you are, and mm-hmm. you can kind of explain to those who are listening. The pit crews weren't there. It was only the mechanics. Yeah, because they don't do live pit stops at this race. Um, when they first, you know, would bring this idea out, NASCAR didn't want live pit stops due to safety. Uh, they they didn't want to run the risk of somebody getting hurt due to all the dirt and all the dirt and mud and everything. So they just did not do live pit stops. So like they so like they're in a, they're in like so it was broke up into three segments. I think it was seventy five, seventy five, and then a hundred. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. I think so. Yeah. In between each segment, that's when they pitted for fuel or tires. And the bozo move of the race, I'm gonna give that. I'm gonna start doing this every every week. Was <laughs> the oh, fact Lord. that that Larson. Came in and did no tires on the second pit stop, which basically made him basically de- uh, DNF the race. So, ah, uh, it's um, like uh, what was it? Uh, Jeff Foxworthy and the Here's Your Sign Award. Billy yeah, Ball. basically. It's Billy Ball. Oh, there we go. Jeff Foxworthy did something else. Is he's the if you use the if you might you might yeah. be a redneck guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he finished. He finished thirty fifth. Um, so not a great day know. for Hendrick having twenty nine thirty fifth. Yeah, it wasn't a good weekend. 
Um, basically, yeah. So at, so when after Larson, because like Larson won the first stage, he led every every lap in the first stage. But then, um, but he pissed pissed off Ryan Priest. Uh, that kind of forced him into the outside wall. Then on the second pit stop, that's when he only pitted for fuel. Larson spun out and fell to the rear of the field. And then that's when, you know, everything kind of happened and Larson ended up uh, not not finishing the race. But, I mean, it was a really good race. Uh, there, kind of at the end, NASCAR wasn't throwing cautions. For every little spin, they were kind of just letting them work it out among themselves, and you know they got back going quick enough. They didn't throw the yellow, so you saw. So, I mean, you just had cars just spinning out here and there, and all. It was great. Yeah, basically, it was if you're not in any danger, the best of the field based on. Yeah. Like I think Michael McDowell like spun like two or three times, and he still finished in finished in eleventh. That's insane. <laughs> um. Let's see. Okay, so fourth was uh, Ricky Stenhouse, our Daytona 500 winner. Fifth was Chase Briscoe. Sixth was Justin Haley. Martin Truth Jr. finished seventh. Todd Dillon finished eighth. Kevin Harvick ninth. Ty Gibbs tenth. Ty Gibbs has been running pretty damn well this year. Um, so you you only had three Chevrolets in the in in the top ten. Three Fords and four Toyotas. And actually, I'm kind of surprised by this. AJ Allmendinger finished 16th after being two laps down, coming back and finishing 16th. And he's not near being a being a track racer. The randomness of this sport, man. You know it as well as I do. But no, it's a really good race. But actually, I don't know if they're going to be going back next year or not to the dirt race. There is rumblings in the garage saying that they may not go back to it. But I feel like if they don't do that, the Bristol Spring Race will probably eventually disappear. No, just do the night race in the fall right before the uh, playoffs begin or in the playoffs, depending on how they want to play it. Yeah. And then, where I'll, I'll ask you to just throw something out. Where who would get the spring race? Where would they go? There's rumors about Nashville coming. I can live Bristol, with that. Bristol has a uh, is one of the Bristol and SMI. I think that's right. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Is spearheading the idea of them going to Nashville. The Nashville like, Fairgrounds. Yep. And that's probably where that Nashville day stand come from. It's probably to come from Bristol. Because I don't because the 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 fall race is the night race in Bristol. Everybody goes to it. The spring race, eh. Why and to, to back that up, like why do you think they chose this race to make it dirt? Because they knew they had to do something. Exactly. It was almost an experiment, like, okay. Can we save this thing? If not, we'll move on. Just like how with with the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and then running the uh, road course. 
instead of the uh, 2.5 mile oval. Which is really a rectangle. Yeah, there is it's not an oval. <laughs> no, it's about as far as you get as you can get. Yeah, like, like when so you, you actually have, to... have a defined turn one, two, three, and four instead of just splitting it the arc in the middle. You're not knowing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I love the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's one of my favorite race tracks. I, I I maintain to you, I I look, IndyCar can run whatever they want, but like when you think Indy, you don't think of the road course. You think of the oval. If you're gonna run there once a year, you run the you run the oval. I, I I fully believe that, and I I now I say that as someone who watches the road course racing in Indy. So I'm kind of if, if we're going like, oh, I believe this. Well, I'm, by watching it, I guess I'm going against myself. Yep. But at the same time, it's I I, I do believe something. Yeah. Hypocritical, sir. Yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's the thing. If Jimmy runs it, I'm watching it. If Bowman runs it, I'm probably still watching. So that Bowman's gonna miss that race. That I really like the NBC team. Like that, that's who always has it. I like. Junior. I like that. I, that's one of the reasons why I like it. Uh, but then Dale Jarrett also being in the in the pre race and like in the in the in, in like cut away from the main broadcasting crew. I I like that. Somebody in this little group of us needs to start watching more NASCAR races. <laughs> Darren. 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 Hi. Darren. What's up? <laughs> I didn't do that. Oh. I, I know you ain't. Actually, it was this past weekend. Of course. Okay, the one Sunday. <laughs> but, uh, sir, you need to start watching NASCAR so you can have a little bit more input. Y- y- yeah. <laughs> See? See, you can't even argue with me, can you? I mean, you're quite literally not long. <laughs> you're really not. Because, because, man, you talk so much trash during, you know, during football talk and other sports talk. But then once you get to NASCAR, it's like you went mute. Like, I'm you- like- no, no, if you really want to mute him, let, let's go here. The Pittsburgh Penguins missed the playoffs the first time since 2006. Darren, I'm so sad. That? So am I, but Darren, you're not a hockey guy. I am. Darren, what do you got to say? All I know is you're a Penguins fan. Ooh. Yes. It is, that tough. was the longest streak of any North American pro sports team. Yes. T- to quote Lord Zuko from Avatar The Last Ambito, that's rough, buddy. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's That's... Of all the of all the quotes from that series, that is the most obscure reference one could possibly bring in. Papa, yep, yep. Giant mushroom, mushy giant friend. Oh my god! In the words of soccer. <laughs> but for real though, like I am kind of devastated that the Penguins did not make it to the playoffs. Okay. Let, let's have the. I didn't plan this conversation, but let's have this. I and Darren can kind of speak to this because of not necessarily a hockey thing, but of a like a general sports thing. So there are some who believe that the Penguins and the Capitals missing the playoffs for the first time since like ever, uh, with Ovechkin and Crosby not being in the playoffs, is a changing of the guard in the NHL, and it's now a Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid. Guys like that league and not Sydney. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't believe that. I and think so. and he and here's why. Because those guys never stop being great. It's the teams around them that weren't built to win. True. To oh, say yeah. it's a changing of the guard, to me it has to be the old guard sucks or retires. Neither that happened. Ovechkin still scored an incredible amount of goals. Sidney Crosby damn near carried the Pittsburgh Penguins to almost the playoffs with a team that got older and less dynamic at the trade deadline thanks to the idiot GM Ron Hextall, who needs to be fired. Uh, but like Sid never stopped being great. Evgeny Malkin had his best season in like five years. Chris Letang had a fucking stroke in the middle of the season and came back and scored numerous game-winning goals in overtime. Did Jeez. he really? Yes. Yeah, He's had two that. strokes in his NHL career and has come back from both. Jesus. The core of the Penguins never stopped being great. Ovechkin never stopped being great. It's the team had bad goaltending and they had bad everything else. If only we could get our goalie back that the Knights stole. I would us. love Mar- Hatchie's on the Minnesota Wild now. What? Yeah. He, he got traded. Oh, my God. How come he can't get traded back to Pittsburgh? I wish. Um, but I don't believe the changing of the guard has happened in, in the NHL yet. I truly don't. And by the way, the Penguins have $20.2 million in salary cap money, which is a lot in the NHL this year. They've got a chance to rebuild this thing in a hurry. If they handle this right, look out. Mm, I hope they do. I do too. So I'll ask this question to Darren. What qualifies as a changing of the guard in an, in a in a, in a in a major sports league? I I feel like the biggest thing to me is not just like a one off like bad season. But at least two, I'd say two or three, two, two or three. Uh, and by, by that definition, I'm basically saying the Patriots are in that situation where the, cha- God, the, the, the gods have been changed. <laughs> um, so because, you know, every team is going to have that one off season um, during these runs and a lot of them bounce back really quickly, especially when they're storied franchises such as that. Um, but I think two or three where you're just not, you're not making headway. The guys who you used to whap up on are now doing the same to you. Um, I think that is to me, what really classifies it. Uh, is, is a consistent um, inability to repeat past success. Would the same thing apply to an individual player? Like if Brady had fallen off the map instead of retired, would the changing of the guard then to Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and the like? Or would it only be like... No. I, I, I uh, think, yeah, I, I'd say they. it would have to be consistent struggle. Like having the one one very mediocre year because of all the other shit that happened when you probably should have actually retired. I, I think if he had, he decided to try to keep going for two more years, a, a year or two more, and he would have had the same inability to reproduce his success with the team. 
or or just his success as a as a player um he you know can't win games in the fourth quarter you know can't he can't will his team to victory you know it all the things that make brady brady then i then not only would you think oh now he's washed up then you're really thinking now the gods have really been changed but i think we're, even with that in the case of brady I think we're at the point where Mahomes is the guy. Mahomes is the face of the NFL now. Even last season with Brady still in this in the NFL. Mahomes has been, I feel like other outside of us worrying about whether Brady's retiring, has been the guy that no one will shut up about. How long has he been the face of the NFL then? Since since he broke in, since he won that first Super Bowl, when was the year? I I I think I would I would say either last year or if not then, then rather the year before or this most recent season if not this season solidifying that he's he's the one that's gonna bring in the 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 big bucks for everyone pouring in even people who don't follow that much he's gonna be the one that people recognize and go huh football similarly that they did to Brady. I can agree with that. I, I have no issues with that. Josh, do you? No, not really. Um, I so I just have a fun fact right now. Yes. All four of my favorite MLB teams are technically in the if the playoffs were to start today are in the playoffs. The Atlanta Braves have the best record in the National League at nine and four. Hey. Yankees is tied for second. But when your Tampa Bay Rays got off to a 13-0 start, it's kind of hard to beat that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, 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 fun, I'll, I'll interrupt your fun fact with another fun fact. But the Rays winning today, they tie for the best start to begin a season since 1900. Ooh. At 13-0. And, and, and who had that? Some team that doesn't even exist anymore. Oh, damn it. I was, I was, I was hoping it had been the Yankees. No. Uh, but like, uh, uh, well, now I gotta find it. Continue with your fun facts while I do some, uh, hands on research here. Yeah, because, okay, so Yankees are technically third. Braves is, is first in the NL. Pittsburgh is fourth. And the Cubs is fifth. I'm a very happy baseball fan right now. My Pirates are finally relevant again. But they also <laughs> lost one of their stars. O'Neill Cruz broke his ankle. He'll be out for four months. I watched that game. At least we still, at least we, at least we still have Andrew McCutcheons. You should have seen the standing ovation he got when he when he when his first at bat back in Pittsburgh. Oh, I believe it. I think they stopped the game for him. What the MLB stopped the game? The umpire did. He's like, okay, you're gonna like I'm gonna call time and give you your give you your due. Well, that's good. Okay. The only long the uh the only longer streak right now than the uh okay, here we go. Uh I'm thinking of the longer streak. The Rays tied the 13 win start of the 1982 Braves and the 1987 Milwaukee Brewers. The only longer opening streak was 20 now about the, 19, the 1884 St. Louis Maroons. <laughs> Shit. Jesus Christ. How many games did they win? Uh, 
let's find out how my, the 1884 St. Louis Bruins won. <laughs> We're going deep into baseball. They went 94 and 19. Oh boy. They were in the Union Association. After the season, the UA folded and the Maroons joined the National League. They were the only UA team to continue past the 1884 season. Then they eventually became the Indianapolis Hoosiers. And then they folded. Oh, okay. So they, so they didn't get bought out by anybody? No, they just up and couldn't keep playing. Oh, that's sad. But they got the record, though. Yeah, they have a record. But here's the thing. The Rays, up to this point, have only played last place teams. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and they're going to Toronto this weekend. The Blue Jays are good. So uh, if if they if they if they sweep this series, that's the first litmus test. They the litmus test, however you pronounce it, <clears throat> they they will have passed. So if this would have been a real team, you know, well I, well, I can't say real team. If this team would have been like playing like now, they would have went one hundred thirty five and twenty seven. Good lord. Uh. That's good. Oh, they they started the season twenty and zero. Yeah, I know. I said that. Oh, I didn't. I just I didn't hear it. Yeah. No, they started off twenty and zero, then went ninety four and nineteen. Hmm. Damn, that's fucking. So they they so they still ended the season with fewer losses than they than they had in in a win in an initial win streak. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. The nineteen eighty two Braves. For comparison, another team that went 13 and 0 to begin the season finished 89 and 73. They lost the NL Championship Series to the St. Louis Cardinals. And the 1987 Brewers won went 91 and 71. So, and that was good for third in the American League East. So you know, playoffs. okay. What sport and what team broke that record of 20 and zero starts? Uh, no Googling either. I'm not going to Google it. Uh, I'll say it's the NBA. and I don't have a team for you, but I'll say it's the NBA. Okay. I will give you quarter point. <laughs> because you are right on that. It was uh, they started the season 20 and 0, a mark that would not be topped in major American professional sports until the Golden State Warriors of the NBA surpassed it 131 years later in the 2015 2016 season. Was that the other they went 73 f- and 9? Mm-hmm. Probably. I figured that. I was, I 72 was like, and yeah. Oh, like, no. yeah. I felt like that was too, too, like. A potential low-hanging fruit to guess it, so I didn't even bother because I was like, yeah, I was probably thinking, not right. I was thinking like Jordan's Bulls or something. The, the previous record at seventy-two and ten. I was thinking that, but yeah, the yeah, because in the sixteen finals they lost to uh, LeBron and the Cavs because they were like, you won seventy-three games and you couldn't beat these guys four times. Yeah, so you couldn't beat them again, and you know what? This was the third time the teams had played to each other, or was something it something like that? Yeah, because like they had like and... four straight years they played each other, I think. 
Yeah. So that was the second or third time in that right. series, in that, uh, those four years. And yeah, I was like, of all, of all thing, of all, of all things to happen, LeBron James ends up being a part of the team that beats the winningest record in NBA history. Of course, because of course it had to be. And then remember this, the Indians at the time, Guardians now, were in the World Series that year against the Cubs. The Cubs broke the curse of the, of the Billy Goat mm-hmm. in, that, in that 2016 season. Because at the same time that the Cavs were hoisting the championship banner, the Indians were hosting the Cubs in the World Series. The ballpark and the stadium are right next to each other. Huh. So you had fans that were basically like had a ticket to go see LeBron, and then when the game was over, went to the baseball game. <laughs> also, so the uh, Warriors went to twenty four and zero that season, and because they they were beat by the Milwaukee Bucks, their hundred eight to ninety five. Mm-hmm. The loss also ended their 28-game winning streak dating to the 2014-2015 season, the second longest in NBA history. Yeah, and now the Bucks are sitting at the top of the league, and God knows where the Warriors are. They've not been worth, worth much the of playoffs. anything. Yeah, but they've not been worth much of anything in general. No, they couldn't buy one on the road this year. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just sitting here for, for the Celtics because – You Javon, and me both, uh, man. Because uh, uh, Missoula – but I'm also would not be sad for Javon Cotto if no. on a ring. But uh, you got you got to imagine uh, Missoula's up for Coach of the Year. <laughs> you have to imagine, no it, doubt. There's, there's like no way being cons- like for a majority of the season holding the number one record and and then ending it at number I think literally number two uh, overall, uh, maybe number three, but no worse than three. They're two right now. Yeah. Uh, no, check this out. I told you the Warriors couldn't buy and went on the road. Mm-hmm. They're, I'll give you their home and road splits. They were 33 and 8 at home and 11 and 30 on the road. <laughs> that ain't going to win yet in a back to back title. No, they're the sixth seed right now, which means, well, the playoffs are already like we're in playoffs in the NBA now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're the three seed. The Sacramento Kings. Hmm. So is LeBron even so relevant? The Lakers are in the uh, play or in the playing game. They haven't shut up about him since they, they pushed into the, the playing game. Skip Bayless yeah. will never shut up about LeBron James and <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. It just he's yeah. incapable of doing that. Like the whole question this entire time has and I, and I most of what I see naturally is is in the on the TVs at the gym. But the the headlines I end up seeing, well, a couple days ago, they had a 15-point comeback, and they had to struggle to do that, apparently. And the headline was, how important was this 15-point comeback for LeBron's legacy? I'm like, the dude has, what, four championships in, like, three different teams? And five championships, I don't know. I'm... Yeah. But at with this like point, three, what's four or five? Yeah, yeah, with like three different teams, and has played in the league for twenty years, and is the league's leading scorer of all time. I don't think there's much you can do to harm this man's legacy. What are you talking about? So who? <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up a con- a controversial debate. Oh God. Who's the best NBA player of all time? Frankly, I don't have a true opinion. 
I, I don't either. I mean, I, I don't, I won't say LeBron because I just, I don't believe it's him. <sighs> Jordan. The, re- the real, que- <laughs> the real answer is, oh, Bill Russell with 14 titles. Yeah, that's true. I think it's just 11, actually, but still. Either way, a lot for one guy. Uh Yeah. (laughs) And many of them just... But not before... But it was before the common ball era, so forget Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, the real answer (laughs) is Zeke from Cabin Creek, Jerry West. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) So, I think Michael Jordan... Oh, who's the other really good NBA player? Kobe. Oh, you gotta have Kobe on that list. There's no way yeah, you can make Kobe it. Kobe second. And for some reason I wanna put Larry Bird third. Because of just how he was as a player. Are you putting magic anywhere on that list? Magic can be fourth. Be the reason why I put Larry Bird third <clears throat> is because he could ball, but he could also trash talk. <laughs> yeah, he could, couldn't he? That's why he is third. And then trash talking gets him to third. And then there's LeBron who just stares at his teammate and becomes a meme when his teammate does something wrong in the finals. Mm-hmm. Fuck LeBron. I don't like him. I don't either. Yeah. I mean, I will say this much. He's a damn good player, but I don't like LeBron. I feel like he's too... I, I, I don't want to say this, but at the same time I do. I feel like he's too bipolar. And by that, he, I mean he's really hard to read. Like, he'll say one thing, then he'll do something like... Come on, man. Just stick to something. <clears throat> he he is a fish because he always flops. Eh. <laughs> so, uh. When they got swept in that in one that you know one of those finals, um, that was the most hilarious thing to me in the world, in terms of basketball world. Uh, <laughs> it's good mm. stuff laughing. But guys, do you understand that we just basically fed into the reason that the headline was what does this mean for LeBron's legacy? Mm-hmm. Do you realize we just did what that headline and that show was designed to do? Yeah. What do most basketball fans do? Like, What is the most popular thing a basketball fan can do? It's not watch the game. It's sit around and debate it. I would argue that basketball is the most debated mm. sport in the in in the country. More than the NFL, more than baseball, certainly more than hockey. But basketball has built itself around the debate about what who is the greatest player ever, and who like, and legacies. Mm-hmm. And that's in part due to the fact that the media won't show up about it, but they're doing it because they realize that people just sit around and talk about it. Yeah. People that don't know nothing huh? about the sport, mostly honestly, I don't know next to anything about it, will will have comments about it. And then those who are know even less than I will have even more confident co- answers about it on the internet. <laughs> so yes, we just basically uh we just basically decided that we were gonna we were gonna play into the NBA uh, <laughs> to the NBA debate and serve Skip Bayless right, which I hate. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, move on to a somewhat intelligent conversation. What we learned this week. Mm-hmm. 
I've actually got several things, but I'll let Josh go first to the new kid. <clears throat> Again. Uh, yeah. You don't have anything to I, I, I mean, I do. I always learn something new every day. I, I, I know you do, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to you. How's that? Darren. Um, nothing particularly groundbreaking, but I, uh, I, I went to a micro center for the first time ever. Uh, long story short, it's what a computer What the heck store. is that? Okay. It, it, it sells a bunch of computer parts. It sells computer stuff, mostly like a lot of electronics, but you can build your you can build a computer there. You can buy the parts, build the computer. Uh, they actually have a build-your-own-PC spot. Um, now, this seems like something you would do. Yeah. Uh, but we will... So, we went down to... Um, like, it's... it's the, the closest one is about an hour for me. There aren't that many in the, in the, in the country. Um, the closest one to me is in Rockville. Uh, but we went down to... There's a big outlet mall in Clarksburg, uh, uh, Maryland. And... Well, we went there yesterday, and in the process, I was like, "Well, one, uh, I, there's a place called Dog House that serves really good hot dogs on sweet Hawaiian rolls, oh. um, and they have a bunch of of craft beer, of course." And I was like, "Well, let's let's go to the outlet because they have a Nike store there." Uh, Liz wanted some new shoes, so we went there, and then we went to the Dog House and the. Because ten minutes, micro center. I was like, I've never been to a micro center. Let's go there too. So, uh, we went in there. And I was like, Ah, oh, look at all the computer stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I can see your face now. You get those little big eyes. You're like, <gasps> Yeah, it was nice because there was a lot of things. Like, I want to build a new computer in the future, and seeing the pieces that I have put in a in an online list. That I've not seen in person and actually getting to see them in person was cool. Like there's a really cool case I want to get. Um, and it was very nice. And I was like, yes, this is what I would want. <laughs> uh, so that, that's that's basically what I learned. I wonder if also, I get the taste I want. There's beer that they brew with rice as well oh. that I had. It's called a rice logo. Surprise, surprise. Yep. It's unsurprisingly uh, Japanese was, style. Oh, very nice and light. It's very nice, light, slightly citrusy beer. Uh, very good. Uh, so hmm. the two things I learned. <laughs> hmm. Now I'm, and of course, I couldn't do it anyway. But now I'm curious as to how I, what I would enjoy with rice locker. I'm gonna go. With I no, but I would, I would say maybe it, it's very, very light and not too overbearing of a taste. That I think it would be an easy thing for anyone like trying to get into beer. That that might be a good starter for those who are afraid of pots. Fair enough. Fair enough. Also, uh, since you since you said it like that, I remember seeing something the other day. It was, uh, I think it was like one of those like ranker, Buzzfeed, board panda things, where it's like uh, people uh, list their uh, their like things that annoyed them or something like that, and one of the things was beer. And one when their argument was, everyone like I don't like beer. People always say it's an acquired taste, and they'll go, if I have to work for something to <laughs> like it, it's not worth it. Fail. I mean, it, it was, for me, it, it, it was kind of acquired. I, except for, it was more of, you had to find the right one to get you into it, and if you want to get into it, of course, that's that's assuming one wants to, Um 
and for me, it started with like apple ciders and, and, and fruit ales. And then weirdly enough, Yingling was the one that was like, oh, this is a regular beer. This is fine. And here I am drinking craft Bavarian dark Hefeweizens. <laughs> no, so I, had I, a nice, I had a beer, nice, uh, interesting beer yesterday. Was it the one you, uh, uh, the one you sent the picture was, of? Yes, it was citrus. It was tropical lightning. Oh yeah, yeah, the IPA. And it it, it was interesting. Very I'm just going to let these two talk about oh. beer. I have nothing to add to this topic. I know something <laughs> that, I, that, I, that I, I learned. I can't do it. I just remembered it. Go ahead. <laughs> you know that, well, okay, so it wasn't beer itself, but beer used to be hauled via rail car. And uh-huh. I'm not talking about box car. I'm talking about tanker cars. Oh, I was talking about box car. Okay. Nope. All right. Let, let me learn y'all a thing or two. Oh, let me let me pull it up. So I get all my information right. Let's see here. Okay, so um Lucas, go ahead and do your thing. Well, I'll <laughs> add to this by saying there's actually an article in Trains magazine this past this past month all about beer and railroads. It was a whole like feature article, like I think it was like five or six pages long. Uh, granted, there was a lot of artwork in there, so it's not like you're reading, you know, up and down the magazine the whole time. But still, uh, really kind of interesting. I, I, if I remember correctly, there were um, the the beer companies themselves had at had cars, box cars that they would ship. This is in the very early days, like early nineteen hundreds, late eighteen hundreds. Uh, that they would ship kegs of beer, like barrels of beer in. And uh, they would be branded with their logo. And one of the, uh, but they would also require that railroads give them or keep boxcars available to use to ship in addition to their own cars. And they also demanded and got for a while that the only time the railroads could charge them to move it is when there was a loaded shipment, the empty barrels coming back, or empty cars, rather, were not to be charged. The railroad was simply hauling it at their expense and not getting paid for it. Hmm. Naturally, the railroads were not thrilled with this uh, uh, solution, uh, with this uh, situation and kind of took it to court and won. So that ended that. But all beer advertisement on the on the side of cars had gone away in like the nineteen thirties. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I, I actually learned several things. Number one, uh, we are as we're recording this on uh, April thirteenth at eight fifty five p.m. in the Eastern Time Zone, are just over three hours away from the end of Canadian Pacific and Kansas City Southern's independent railroads. Canadian Pacific, Ooh. Kansas City, or CPKC will become effective at 12.01 tonight. Still not a sign of when Conrail became Norfolk Southern and CSA, respectively. Basically, yeah, I'm waiting for someone to make, to take a, uh, there's a TikTok that I've seen every now and again at Conspire. There's a, 
uh, radio transmission between the crew and like I'm guessing like some train master or something like that or yard master, someone along the railroad. Am like, I? This will... Can can I can can I play it? No. Why? Uh, it's not trademarking. Or yeah, I guess that's I guess that's true because ah! uh, because let me explain why. Because the radio uh like the radio waves the bands are public domain. The the, the companies that use them, be they railroads or the uh radio stations you listen to on your in your car, don't own them. They only rent them from the public. Radio waves are, that's why you can listen to radio transmissions of railroads. It's public information. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. But yes, you can play it, Josh. <laughs> Yay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me let me figure out what I'm doing here. D D D D D D That's loud. Why did I make it sound? Mike could play it. I'm not sure if y'all can hear it, but... Nope. Damn it. It might be where I'm using my AirPods. It might be. Um, but basically, it was Dang. the crew uh, calling out, like, this is your last... Like, Conrail was officially extinct at 12.01 a.m. on June 1st, 1999. It's like, this crew was operating as a Conrail train, and then at 12.01, they came a Norfolk Southern train. Yep, May it's 31st, 1999. To June 1st, but yes. Uh <laughs> But yes, it, it that is what that's what happened to me. Like this is your last KCS or, or CP, whatever, and then CPKC. At the stroke yeah. of, at twelve oh one, Canadian Pacific is going to have a lot more locomotives on their hands and a lot more mileage to work. Goodbye, Conrail. Because they're the uh, they're the surviving company. They are buying Kansas City Southern. And I, I, I'm curious to see what the new logo is going to be. They say it's going to be the Canadian Pacific Beaver, just redone to honor uh, to honor KCS. And then I want to know what the new logo, the, the new paint scheme looks like. I hope they don't kill the Southern Bell. I know they will, but I hope I hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping you know I know what the answer is going to be. Even if it is added like a black or yellow line on the, on the bottom of the Canadian Pacific engines, I'd be okay with that. Like that's fine. Standard red with some black and yellow. That's fine. Just anyway. Uh, speaking of railroads, and Josh will know what I mean by this. Uh, I learned how addicting it can be to have a radio scanner on the car <laughs> when you're driving. <laughs> because you. uh, I know you did. You don't even own yeah. one, so. Yeah, I don't care about me. I still told you so. Because so, hmm. I went down to Montgomery and like. Cabin Creek and that area, uh, not that far from here. And I had my scanner on the car as I was going by. And there was a grain train coming along, and I was like, "Oh shit, come uh, to go, come to go, follow this thing." And anyway, like I heard him calling. But here's the weird part: I completely missed the train that was behind him. I completely, I don't know if I didn't hear it or I just didn't comprehend what I was doing. But I told you there was a, uh, they were gonna take two trains in one. They were gonna park a coal train down at Hanley. And yeah. they were going to leave that grain train. The coal train was behind him. Yeah. He was running on approaches the whole time, and I somehow missed it. I I went back and listened to my to watch the video and get the audio. I heard him calling the signal and wherever 
uh, as an approach signal. He was right behind him, and I didn't even bother looking because I that, didn't even realize it. That's kind of surprising that they um, actually ran something that that close together. I guess, but I mean, you're right. It is, but I guess the the C one seventeen crew had run out of time, and I guess they were trying to get them over the road as soon as they could. But um, oh well. But yeah, I I completely missed it, but. Uh, I have my scanner sitting in the car next to me, like sitting in the passenger seat. I have a, uh, I bought a new antenna for it, and it's kind of long, so it, it gets good range. But, uh, and granted, I was right next to the track, so it should be able to hear it. I mean, like I can, like I could reach out my window and touch the touch this train. I'm that close, so I should be able to to hear what they're saying. But, um. There's there's some things, some real fans that I know are YouTuber, Danny Harmon does it, distance signal. He has a magnetic mount for his scanner on top of his car. And he uh and he'll go around and he runs a BNC connector cable down, connects to a scanner sitting in his car, and that's how he hears what's going on around him. And I'm like, damn it, I want that now. <laughs> it wouldn't do me that much good considering a lot of my real fanning is not driving based, it is simply going and like sitting in one location waiting <clears> for something to come to me but it still would be pretty cool if you're driving by a certain location and you hear a train coming it would be like hey i can pull off here and go and go and do it or like hey something's coming better rush to where i'm going it would be something that i would personally love to have but i know it's not at for where i'm at and where i'm going it would almost have to be like when i go on a trip but also again josh will know this you know the perfect place to to use that technology josh where? Around here, anyway. Where? The NS Pocahontas District. Yeah, I believe so. I w- my, one of the things I want to do is I want to go, I want to drive to Welch and then follow the railroad from Welch to Bluefield and then come home. Then having that would be would be perfect to do. You know, if there's a train nearby, I'm like, okay, I'll pull off it here and whatever. But yeah, that's why I'm going to have one more thing, but I'll let you go back to what you are. All right, so, but on the railroad, they have different size tanker cards. They have a card that's called a beer can tank card or the shorty card, whatever. It's like 10,000 gallons. It's a short one, mainly used to haul heavy uh, substances, uh, such as like molten sulfur, sulfuric acid, clay mm-hmm. slur- slurry, stuff like that. Heavy stuff. Well, Okay, so I'm going to kind of read some from off this little article. Uh, the shorty beer card did not... So it, so this card did not carry the finished beer product. But it hauled like a... Um, let me see. Let me find it. Let me find it. Oh, I'm reading Okay, so Coors Beer owned 300 tank cards. They was white. And they also had six Twitcher locomotives that maintained their plant in over there in, Col- in Golden, Colorado. Um, these cars would run from uh, Colorado to uh, Elkton, Virginia. And um, where the beer would become packaged, and so they could sell it over here. 
because the uh, the uh, tanker cards was filled with wort, which is a beer concentrate. And the reason why they picked uh, the the area is because of their uh... oh shit, where is it? Yeah. So the the Memphis and Virginia Shenandoah Valley areas were selected in part because of their excellent spring waters and abundant water supply. Yeah, because schools was kind of built on the spring waters of the Colorado uh, area, yep. and then translate that over here. Yep. And so it would take from the the trip from Golden, Colorado, to the southeastern bottling plant took an average of five to seven days. I want to know how many railroads touched it in that time. Well. It's got to be like UP to, oh, back in the 30s, it would have been like UP to probably. No, it was, no, it, it was in 1985. 85, okay. Uh, UP to, where where is that in Virginia? Like what part of Virginia is that? Uh, probably the Shenandoah Valley. Mm, that probably was Norfolk Southern. Uh, so yeah, probably when. Give me a second. I'm looking. Okay. Uh, probably. See if I can find train tracks here. Y'all, y'all chit chat while I'm researching. I don't want this to take a back seat to to this, but I guess I'll say it while I have uh, the time. Uh, tomorrow, 14th, when this podcast will likely come out, if I can get them on the ball and cut it in time, is the 111th anniversary of the sinking of the RMS Titanic. It was oh, a yeah. job. <laughs> I don't care what you think. I'm an extreme Titanic person. I don't even begin to talk about that kind of stuff. I'm all about honoring those who, those who died. Uh, you... <laughs> I'm anal about this, Josh. I know you are, and that's partially why I wanted to say it. It's because, be, it's because you are my, one of my best friends, but also I like aggravating. You're good at it, too. <laughs> yes, I know. And I, like, I'm not a night owl, but there is a uh, there is a uh, live stream on YouTube. Uh, it used to be they're making a video game <clears throat> called Titanic Honor and Glory, uh, hmm. where basically you can tour the ship as she was in 1912. You can board the ship in Southampton, and you can ride until she sinks. That's and, kind of and, uh, and so uh, there was a guy named Thomas Linsky, who was a creative director in there, and he had some differences with those who were developing the game, so he left and created his own YouTube channel, of which I'm a big fan. He actually did a. He actually was in and did a video on Thurmond, uh, that I really enjoy. Um, but, and I really wish I. I mean, I really wish I'd been there when he was there because I'm like I really want to meet this guy. He's he seems like a nice guy and I'm really a big fan of his work. But anyway, point being, um, uh, he, he uh, being a Titanic enthusiast as myself, bigger than myself, but in the same vein. Um, he, he does a live stream in real time of the sinking of Titanic. Uh, and 
it's called On a Sea of Glass, which is the name of a book that was uh, written by one of the guys who hosts with him. And uh, they, they have several Titanic historians. I always watch this at the point I'm getting at. And Titanic struck ice at 11.40 p.m. Uh, ship's time on April 14th. She sank at 2.20 a.m. ship's time on uh, April 15th, 1912. But ship's time is different from the time we have now. Ship's time, she wasn't yet in the Eastern time zone. She was still in the Atlantic, so she was about <laughs> two hours behind us, uh, rather ahead of us. And then when you account for the like for the latitude and longitude, like two minutes. So this, so she actually struck ice at like nine thirty-eight p.m. Eastern time. Now, uh, so they start that show at like nine nine thirty, whatever, and then they run it into the sinking. Then they basically narrate what happens at, in real time as she sinks, and they run a uh, they run a computer uh, a CGI version of the sinking right down from the minute, and they go through. And it's always really emotional to me to see the. Because when Titanic sank, she struck ice on her starboard bow, the right front, for those of you who don't know maritime uh, terminology. Uh, and it, it, it kind of, like, at, at one time, people didn't even think she was sinking, and it wasn't naive, but, like, she wasn't going down that much. Uh, now, she was going down. There was no doubt about that. But it didn't look like it. She was still kind of even... And in fact, she started listening to one side and then she kind of evened herself out and then she started listening again to the other side before she went down. But the point I'm uh, getting at is that in the, at the very end of the ship's life, in like the last five or ten minutes, it really starts to go downhill fast. Things start happening really, really fast. And it becomes apparent that, okay, this ship is going down and we are going to die. And it's really emotional for me to see the last, like we're just having a conversation about Titanic and we're doing all that. And then the next thing you know, it's the first funnel fell and the second funnel. Now she's under the water as the, as the bow starts to go. And then this, she splits in half Then the stern goes. <clears throat> and once the stern sinks below the ocean and she's just there by herself, excuse me, there's nothing there. She's on the way to the bottom. It's always a very, uh, very, I, I almost, I, I haven't cried at that part yet, but I've come close several times. It's it's very, uh, it's emotional for me, and it's one of the few times that I willingly stay up that late throughout the year. Like, it, I'll, it'll be pushing one o'clock in the morning before I go to bed, which for some people is nothing, but for me, that is something. I'm usually in bed by midnight at the absolute latest. So, for me, that's, that's really a, it's a big deal, and I, 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 I refrain from saying I can't wait because I, I feel like I am anticipating reenacting someone else's death, but at the same time, it is always nice to hear stories that you may not have heard about and learn more about the ship that has captured. I, I call Titanic the ship that never dies because I, I truly believe that there is so much more to learn about, not just the ship and what, it, what happened, but the people who were aboard and the people who helped bring her to life people at Harlan and Wolf in Belfast when she was built, uh, the people who were crewing her that day, uh, even, and even those who died and even those who survived. You know, the, the, the last survivor died in 2009, and she was three months old when she boarded the ship. She has no memory of it. Most people had a memory of it died in the 50s 
we're, we're gone by the by the fifties. Oh, so but it, I do have some interesting information about that. So we've been for a while now without anyone who was aboard that ship. And it's up to us who those of us who are here now to care. I feel that way about most historical things, but particularly about Titanic. It's really uh, it's it's really uh, it's a very poignant thing for me. And, and I'm, look, I'm not going to say that either of you are going to watch it, nor should you. But I'm saying if you ever get a chance to, to list, uh, take a chance at looking at some of the things that they do. Uh, it, it really is interesting what you'll learn about Titanic. I know it doesn't mean as much to you too, as it does to me, but there is some interesting information out there if you if you choose to look. Someone please help me if I end up starting to cry or I end up starting to just continue to talk for 15 hours because <laughs> I will do that. Well, I'll be uh, here until 2.40 a.m. Well, I mean, I did have one thing. My great, great aunt, I think, yeah, either great aunt or great great aunt was actually supposed to be on that ship, huh? But she missed uh, her flight to London <clears throat> or oh something my. like something like well, that. I don't remember well, how. No, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been a flight at that point. It was 1912. Remember, well, then, uh, airplanes had only been invented nine years prior. Okay, well then, okay, then she, like, she missed the boat, basically. Do you know how they brought a signal of London? A lot of people, she left from Southampton, but do you know how they got a lot of people to Titanic from London? Trains? Yes. Came right to the dock. Uh, yeah. But I really want to bring up the, uh, up the conspiracy theories, uh, theories about uh, the Titanic. Because I find that stuff interesting. I won't stop you, but I would also employ you not to. <laughs> but I want to, though. But I won't. But I want to. Because they're interesting. It's just... I mean... It's kind of like, well, what if this is true, you know? Because it's just... It, it's it's interesting. Uh, as my no. kids are screaming in the background. <laughs> I can't even hear him. Oh, <clears throat> well, that's damn. These AirPods are good. You were enlightening us about the world of railroad beer cars. Yes. So, okay, so I found the plant in Virginia. It's right off the Roanoke District. Oh, that's definitely Norfolk Southern. Yeah. Um, little, it's kind of, it's east of Harrisonburg. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep. That's toward Hagerstown. Toward. Yeah. Not, not quite, but towards. Because, like, so, like, you have the mountain that Massanutten. <laughs> yeah, I love the name of that place. Massanutten's that. And it's right, it's basically, like, right on the other side of Mountain Ridge. Hmm. <laughs> Massanutten. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, he's learning a new word. Massanutten. <clears throat> Oh no, I know this is I've known that's a place since I when I lived in DC. Okay, and every yeah. time I see it, I laugh. It's a resort. <laughs> a <laughs> massa nut <and> resort. <laughs> well we know either you're gonna be on vacation now. <laughs> Damn it, I really want to bring up the, the fucking cons- cons- conspiracy theories. 
I'm going to give you one. Yay! Thank you. But please don't break my heart with it. it okay, it won't. It won't. I don't think it will, in my opinion. Okay, so there is this theory that a lot of very famous people of that time, like very wealthy people, missed that missed the departure of that ship on purpose. Because it wasn't actually the, the Titanic that sank. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I just you, you might have heard a little bit of this. That I've it was heard, the Olympic I've that heard actually sank. And yes, because the Olympic had been under the command of, of Captain E.J. Smith, who had command of Titanic when she sank. Uh, he he ran her into another ship. He ran her into the to a Royal Navy ship. I forget the name of the problem. HMS something. Yeah. And uh, uh, she had to go in for repair. <laughs> And she was in the same dry dock as Titanic was when Titanic was under construction at Harlan and Wolf. And so yep. the theory was that, okay, well, let's, Titanic is almost done. Let's just call her Olympic and let's fix Olympic, call her Titanic. Yep. That's, that's the theory. And, but, for, uh, and, and, and at least me personally, and it might be my fucked up sense of thought on people. I see that being true. I don't. Here's why. There, if you look on the sides of the ships, there's a distinct design difference in terms of the, uh, like I think it's the promenade deck. Yeah. I think it looks different on Olympic than does Titanic, and you can clearly tell what's on the bottom. Oh well. That's Titanic. <clears throat> Damn it! I was really hoping that that and theory could have been. And not only that, but let's talk about some people who were on board that ship that night. Mr. J. Bruce Ismay, head of the White Star Line, was on board that ship that night. He survived. Uh, Isidore and Ida Strauss, the people who owned Macy's, were on board that night. I believe they both died. Uh, um, uh, Benjamin Guggenheim was on board that ship that night. He died. One of the richest richest men in the world was on board that night. Died. It just proves that money doesn't take doesn't keep you living longer. Well, to be fair, he kind of asked for it because yeah. he didn't. He actually refused. You've seen this in the movie in Titanic, the, in James Cameron's movie. Yeah. The he was offered a life vest, and he's like, "No, thank you. We are dressed in our best, and are fair to go down as gentlemen." He stayed That's... aboard the ship. He had every chance to get off, but he chose to stay aboard. Fuck that! I'm going on that <laughs> damn on that thing and calling it done. So am I. But here's the thing. Mr. Ismay got a bunch of shit from people stateside and back in the UK for getting on board a oh, lifeboat. Well. Oh, well. Fuck he it. caught a lot of flack for that. It's their problem, not mine. But I'll tell you who the... Uh, who the I, I, I will forever praise this man for what he did. The biggest hero of Titanic that doesn't get talked about is the ship's designer, Thomas Andrews. Thomas Andrews was the person that made the conclusion that the ship will sink. Oh, really? He, yes, it was his math. He oh. concluded that he that she had only like an hour or two left. And he didn't cause a panic. He tried to help as many people as he could. 
all while coming to grips with the fact that the project he had been heading since its very beginning was coming to an end, that he was going to die in the process, and that he knew that there wasn't enough time for... Because, okay, to really understand what I'm about to say, now you have to understand how lifeboats were presumed to be used back then. They weren't meant to be used how they were, how they were used on Titanic, which is this bunch of people floating out in the open sea after she sinks. The theory was, with lifeboats, that we would have enough time to call for help and a rescue ship would be available, and lifeboats were to be used to ferry people between the stricken vessel to the, to the rescue vessel. Well, that's a dumb way, huh, think. And Titanic had more lifeboats than what was required at the time, but it still wasn't enough. So, knowing that there's not enough lifeboats for everyone, knowing that there's no one else out there, uh, except the S- except the SS Californian, which could have got there, but uh, her wireless operator kind of gone to bed at that point <laughs> and didn't hear the Titanic's distress call. Uh, and they saw a bunch of uh, the Titanic also used like flashing lights, like Morse code with lights. Yeah. But because the the sea was so flat and calm, and there was a false horizon. She looked like she was just an oil tanker floating in the middle of nowhere. So they didn't know that was Titanic. So Well then. (laughs) But Thomas Andrews, knowing that the ship was going down, knowing that his life's work was going to be on the bottom of the Atlantic, knowing he was probably going to die, and most people were going to die too, never raised the panic, tried to help as many people as he could, all while coming to grips with all that. This man deserves every bit of admiration he can possibly get. And then some, really. Also, but you know, I'm not trying to interrupt, but just a thought. That's a hell of a way to fucking die. Mm-hmm. Drowning. It's, I've, I've read that it's like you're on fire from within. I have not, I've not heard that, but I certainly wouldn't doubt it. Like, um, just that thought, I was just like, fuck. And then uh, another hero, and then I'll stop with this, but another hero is the captain of the SS of the RMS Carpathia. Uh, Did you say NASCAR? SS Carpathia. Okay, I thought I heard NASCAR. Otherwise. She was the ship that rescued Titanic survivors. Oh, captain really? Arthur, Arthur Rostrum. Uh, Carpathia only had, like, one funnel. She wasn't very fast. She was just... She was doing her job, and that was just what she was plodding along. Captain Rostrum, upon upon getting Titanic's distress call, was like four hours away when Titanic, uh, from where she was at, and she didn't get there till like four in the morning, whatever. Two hours after Titanic had gone down. But as a way, because all these ships at this time were steam heated, steam fired, boiler. He, he turned off, he ordered the ship's water like for like baths and sinks and all that stuff turned off so they could use all of it for the boiler to, to steam full bo- full, steam ahead, full steam ahead to help get Titanic faster. Well then. I, I think that <clears throat> deserves a lot more credit and mention than it, than it gets. Because that's, I think most people would probably understand 
but uh, but at the same time, it's it's really um, it's admirable. Yeah. But see, I just want like one conspiracy theory to be true. Like just to you know, not I mean I mean this ain't directed towards you or really anybody in particular. I, I know. Just just to prove somebody fucking wrong. Because you know, because I mean, y'all, y'all know how how I am. Oh, I know. <laughs> but anyway, back on the railroad. Um. So basically, the railroad is like the way Coors Beer expanded east was with the railroad, is because they would make like their wort, which is beer concentrated. For, put it in these tanker cars and then ship it to the East Coast where then it would become beer because of just kind of how Coors does their beer is because uh, they don't pasteurize their beer. They do sterile for, uh, fil- filtration, cold filtering, and they use aluminum cans and refrigerator trucks to preserve its product. So, so that's why. I mean, other than you know, there wasn't a lot of Coors beer east of Mississippi. There's a whole movie on that. I feel like Lucas, you know what movie I'm talking about. I don't actually. Bandit. Oh, oh. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in ages. I love those movies. Now, now you know how in Coors beer this side of Mississippi bootlegger, right? God, I love that movie. I might watch that here soon. But yeah, um, yeah, because they okay, yeah. So because basically, several eastern states and Oregon had laws on the books prohibiting the sale and distribution of unpasteurized beer and refused Coors the right to market its product within their borders. Hmm. It was not available in all fifty states until nineteen ninety one. Hmm. But yeah. But like when they was but when they started to start bringing Coors beer this side of the Mississippi, they used the railroad. Best way to ship a lot of stuff over a long over a large distance in a good amount of time. Yeah, they was twenty one thousand gallon tank cars filled with beer concentrate to be mixed and packaged and shipped to southern and eastern states. Think about it almost like a McDonald's getting Coke. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically what it is. Yeah, yeah. There's Donald bags of sugary co- syrup. You provide the carbonated water. <laughs> now you know that's basically what it is. And you know McDonald's owns the patent on their Coke. Who? Because McDonald's. Oh yeah, have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they have do. a deal with Coke to make it so it's like the freshest and that like everyone else gets like the, McDonald's gets the the like the best syrup. Everyone else just gets like the the concentrate or whatever. Like it's not it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Now I'm one McDonald's Coke, really bad. I love their Coke. I have Coke Zeros here in the fridge, and I want McDonald's Coke. Yeah. That's not. Coke. I love That's... Coke Zero. I'm not Coke that... Zero. Excuse me. I'm 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 I I got my I got my drinks mixed up. I have Cherry Coke in the refrigerator. Okay. Well, that's better. I love it. I don't know why I said Coke Zero. I really don't. See, I'm going to die regardless, so I'm going to drink whatever the fuck I want to, and freaking Zero 
sodas is not one of them. Or diet. We we, uh, we have we wanted to try the Dr Pepper uh, cherry uh, strawberries and cream. Mm. Oh, it's but so it's, good. But it's sold out pretty much everywhere. The only deal you had was to buy like four, uh, twelve whatever cans cases of beer. Uh, not beer. <laughs> of, <laughs> of, of soft drinks. So we have cherry coke, Dr Pepper cherry uh, strawberries and cream, Mountain Dew and root beer because I have to have something not caffeine. Uh, and I like root beer. So you really can't drink anything, can you? I mean, I I can drink cap. I've have I probably had more caffeine recently than I have. I can drink it in in moderation. Like I may have, like I'll have uh, a a regular cherry coke with dinner or something like that. But I will have had decaf or the worst half calf coffee in the morning. The and really, knew- it's not even. It's not even a like it's not been ordered to me by a doctor. It's just me not wanting to push things any further than they already are. The like I drink a thing called Ghost every day, almost at least one a day, sometimes two a day. That would so, kill me. Yeah, Darren, have have you have you have you ever tried it? I have never bothered. Um, oh, it's so I, good. I don't even I don't even drink as many energy drinks as I used to. Um, and of course, granted, I drank a lot in college, but since you drank a lot in high school too. Um, yes, that is true. Uh, uh, but uh, it got uh, particularly bad in college. Uh, uh, college. Now yeah. you just do coffee instead. Yeah. Oh, oh, I have another Hot thing. Hot bean I water. About coffee. <laughs> Hot bean water. I have another thing I learned about coffee, and I really want to say it, but continue on with what you're saying. I'll wait here. It's. It is hot bean water. <laughs> Which it's true. Coffee is just hot bean water or cold bean water. You're not wrong, but don't ever say that again. Oh, I will. <laughs> I know you will. Right, hold <clears throat> on. <laughs> I'm going to do something. Oh, God. God will probably kill me for this, but I don't care. Okay, what weapon am I using there? <laughs> hmm. Good question. Hmm. Well, he, well, Josh does whatever the hell he's going to do, which I don't know what it is, but I'm pretty sure I won't like I'm going to tell you something else I learned that I forgot about until now. There is a company that makes coffee as it was served on various railroads. Oh, I know. I really want to try that. One of which is my favorite road, the Chesapeake and Ohio Railway. And I really, really, really want to try that. <laughs> okay, so I can't wait for y'all to just like look at it on y'all's own, but go look at the uh, group chat when it comes in. Uh... Oh, it's 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 not a message. <clears throat> well, I know, but just like, wait, oh. what? Oh, come on. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, uh... you don't allow me to have access to things, guys. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know if uh, anyone can like be banned from that in a group chat. I think it's like once you're in a group yeah, you, chat, you everyone has full. Uh, yeah, our my group <laughs> chat uh, with my my shit posting group is always changing things. Right now, it's Bob Huggins is back. Uh, it's what it's God. called. 
Um, and I think, and before it was, um, actually, I don't know what it was before. <laughs> it's just been a while. <laughs> Robin Williams's <laughs> necktie. Oh God, no. Uh, let's see here. Oh. Did y'all see it yet? Did y'all see it yet? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hot bean water. The uh, the cough the company is called the Phoebe Snow Company, and they serve various coffees. The Phoebe Snow was actually a train. It was a very famous uh, train. I forgot what railroad operator. I want to say I the like the, the like the Central of Georgia or something like that. I think. Uh. Uh. Let's see here. Coffee, uh, Dover Harbor Pullman Company coffee, That's Lehigh cool Valley thing. coffee. Dover Harbor is a private car. It goes around the country now. Yeah. It'll cost you about ten grand to rent it out. Nope, I'm good. Chesapeake and Ohio coffee, uh, Baltimore and Ohio Centenary coffee cup and saucer uh, for thirty-five dollars. Uh, Illinois Central Coffee, Norfolk and Western Coffee, uh, the Pullman Company Coffee, New York Central System Coffee, Milwaukee Road Coffee. Uh, what else is here? <clears throat> Louisville and Nashville Coffee, Lackawanna, uh, the Delaware Lackawanna and Rest and Western Coffee, Pennsylvania Railroad Coffee, the New Haven Railroad Coffee, uh, the Reading Company Coffee, the Lackawanna Rail, uh, Coffee Railroad Coffee. Uh, this is one that I didn't realize. The Chicago North Shore Milwaukee Electroliner Railroad Coffee. That just oh, sa- that just sounds like your ultra ultra caffeinated stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. That sounds like, a, that sounds like something I drink. <laughs> the Hoboken Shore Railroad, a unique railroad in a prized location. Of that. Oh, that's a uh, that's a book. Never mind. Uh, but then the Boston and Maine Railroad. Uh, company called Boston and Maine Railroad Bread Mix for uh, for eight ninety five. What's that entail? Well, it's bread mix. Well, yes, Boston Brown style Boston Brown Brown bread is a classic New England treat. This molasses rich, dense brown bread is chewy with the density approaching traditional pumpernickel and studded with raisins, usually fried in butter and served. Oh, the Boston and Maine were served alone or alongside baked beans with plenty of salt pork in them, as well as hot dogs that, like the bread, were also fried in butter. In addition to being an accompaniment to the baked beans and franks, brown bread, again, fried in butter, could be found on bre- for breakfast. This is with maple syrup. We include the, BM, the B&M's original coffee, re- coffee can recipe. Hmm. So fun facts all around for the for the Boston and Maine. Now I'm not going to go through all of these, but I'm going to read you the uh, the CNO uh, description for the CNO coffee because I I like obviously me being a CNO guy, I would want to try this, but this coffee actually sounds really good. Chesapeake, Ohio, provided dining car service from Washington D.C. to Newport and Newport News to Cincinnati. Uh, and Detroit with its famous trains, the George Washington, fast-flying Virginian, and sportsman. Sino's coffee has a buttery caramel-like flavor with a hint of chocolate. Huh. Uh, 
Yeah, Josh I was was just... he he messed up. Did... We're we're done. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say, did we ever actually uh, uh, sign off? No, we didn't, <laughs> and that's fine. But mm-hmm. no, we uh, we didn't actually sign off. But no, we we pretty much are done. So um, we'll uh, we'll have to get Josh into to to figure out this another time. But anyway, I, I got started on that. I wanted to finish it because I was already in the process of reading. Makes but, sense. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's. Would you drink that? Probably. Probably give it a try. I want to do it. There's a the Sino Historical Society sells chessy cups, like coffee cups. Mm-hmm. And then there's a book that I showed you, I think, called Sino uh, Dining Car Recipes. I want to find something breakfast in there, serve with that coffee in that cup, and just be like, I am living the dream. <laughs> a fake dream, but I am still living the dream. This is what this is what I think about. This this is my this is my dream. <laughs> but anyway, so that's our show. Before we end up going on another tangent that takes us fifteen thousand miles outside of where we need to be. At this point, we're pretty much more of a standard topic discussion podcast than we are a sports podcast at this point. Uh, but that's okay. Like I said, we're in the middle of the NFL draft prep. There's nothing to talk about. So make do with what you got. This has been Season 3, Episode 34 of the Scientific Ocean Podcast. For for Josh and Darren, I am Lucas. Thanks so much for listening. Darren, thank us all. Adios, everybody. <laughs>